welcome to Jag Bags, a discussion of all things pop culture. I am your conductor on this journey. And I am here to enchant you. And welcome to the Punchy Podcast programs. You are listening live from the home studios in Woodridge, Illinois, where the crowd is like, why don't you introduce yourselves by your names? <laughs> Uh, but uh, they're ready for an outstanding recap episode. We're going to do things a little bit differently because we are pressed for time, a bit, a bit pressed for time tonight. So we're going to reverse things a little bit. We don't get to all the topics we normally do. Uh, we'll cover it on the next recap episode. But I think the main thing tonight is to get through our album list, which we usually do at the end. But tonight we're going to do them at the beginning. So I'm going to do my uh, Rolling Stones top 500 albums. I've got five. And then Len's got five from his uh, all-time favorite 500 albums. And then from there, we'll go into sports. Um, and uh, whatever we get to, we get to. Never, whatever we don't will certainly be uh, relevant to next week's recap episode as well. So without further ado, let's get into it. Um, I'm winding down from a project that I first began in 1994. And that is uh, Rolling Stone's Top 500 Albums of All Time. My reviews of them. And we're getting very close to the end. Should be done by Christmas. Uh, I'm up to number 19. And uh, so the album at number 19 on Rolling Stone's top 500 albums of all time. I don't agree with this one bit. And that is Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly. And this album, when it came out, it was just widely hailed from the beginning as a complete masterwork. And really established him as just this titan in hip hop culture. And while I, while I really... I I like Kendrick Lamar as a rapper. And I don't want to say that I don't like this album because I really do like this album. Um, I can just think of several others that I think are better. <laughs> So I think that this should make the top 200, but to put it at number 19, I think is just way too high. Um, and that's not to say that I, um, and again, that's not to say that I don't like it because uh, King Kunta, I love that song. And I love All Right. I love that. Song. And uh, I love uh, How Much a Dollar Cost too. I think that there is, sometimes he just slides too much into self-important where he takes himself too seriously. And now because of the time that this album was put out, it seemed more urgent. Um, I think he was speaking for a whole generation um, or there's a whole generation that is absolutely identified with this record uh, so I fully admit that this could be <clears throat> the fact that it's really not aimed at a guy like me or people my age it's aimed at you know an incoming uh, generation of listeners and just so for my ears while I think it's great I, I think a lot of it kind of goes over my head or I just don't I just don't like it as much as say some of the records that we've discussed uh, by Notorious B.I.G. Tupac or uh, Outkast or uh, the Beasties I I prefer all those to this. Uh, so that's my thought. What's your thoughts on Pimpa Butterfly? Well, I think it's for a younger generation. That's why it's up so high. No doubt. Because the reviews, everybody loved it. Everyone. And everyone. Just just one of those things. And it's still, I mean, when did this come out? It was oh, eight years. So I guess not super new anymore. Right. But I think it kind of came on the cusp of kind of a new generation of listeners and people who were socially, becoming socially aware, socially, especially about the way that we're treating each other, you know, in the last seven or eight years and all the you know injustices that have been going on. I feel like this album was like kind of the perfect sound. There's certain albums that are like perfect soundtracks. Yeah, yeah. Are, I think that's part 
part of it and why it's up so high. So yeah. there's no doubt that this is. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I can't say I know it real well, but I remember listening to it and going, yeah, I like this album. I like it. I just don't love it. I guess. Right. So, okay. Yeah, um, I wouldn't put it this high. Um, let's move on to. And again, uh, I also uh, do my is it better than Sign of the Times? And there's no way that this album is better than. Uh, but that's my uh, that's my other that's my litmus test that I've been. Uh, uh, I would flip flop them if you flip if you put. I'd have no problem with the pimp a butterfly at 45 and sign of the times at 18 or 19 to me that's a, a better order uh, but anyway let's move on before i get in any further trouble uh number 18 is in by an artist we've discussed on the pod before um highway 61 revisited um i think this is a incredible incredible album and um it's not my favorite dylan album but it's up there way up there so i've got no problem with this at number 18 i mean i think i think it's for me it'd be it's a little high you think so i like other dylan albums better but it's good it's a good album um <laughs> Number 17 is a another album that I think is really overrated. Um, I think this it's more overrated than Kendrick Lamar's Tampa Butterfly. And that's Kanye West's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. I mean, this is the album that a lot of people say he peaked with and hasn't hit such heights since. Um, I don't think this album is uh, better than, say, 808s and Heartbreak or uh, The College Dropout or Late Registration. I think it's a little bloated and a little self-important. I think he's totally, you know, uh, I think he's just kind of, I love power. The power, I will say, is incredible. Um. But uh, I think the rest of it, he, you know, no, by this point, you could just tell nobody was around to tell him no. And so he gives in all his excesses. And uh, I just think uh, it catches up with him. Um, uh, this this was the one I listened to and I was like, I like Kanye West now. I like this album. This was the one where I was like, I get it. I get why people like him. So, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that um, I think that uh, a lot of people feel the way you do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I gave another listen and I was like, maybe I'll change my mind eventually, but not today. Um, number 16 is an album that you do not care for. I love it. I don't know that if it, I would put it this high, but I love London Calling by The Clash. Um, I would put it top 100 but no way would I put it this high. Um, I think we're getting into the, uh, you know, but the um, Rolling Stone has always loved this album. Always. Every album you said today are all critical favorites. Whether me or you like them, they're all like, the critics go crazy for them. They go crazy for them. I don't think this is their best album. Uh, I think this is their second best album. Maybe even third. What's uh, your favorite? What's What do you put ahead of it? Their first album and then Give Them Enough Rope. I think Give Them Enough Rope is criminally unbeaten. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this. And, and this is an album that like when it first came out i was like well every critic and their mother like loses their mind for this i think rolling stone when they first um did this list i think this was an album that was top 10 but it's dropped down a little bit and so i was like well i gotta listen to this and then i didn't really care for it and i was like well i'm wrong so i'm just gonna keep listening to it and and it'll kick in for me and it hasn't fully kicked in yet Uh, but i love i love um breakdown or clamp down excuse me i love clamp down uh i love uh london called that the uh the title track um and uh, train in vain, of course. But that's like it's like the big hit, um, or the, maybe the most recognizable. And I love uh, Death or Glory. So you know, there's lots of songs on there that I really. But I just think they're more energetic on those other two albums. Um, and then the last album. Now this is one that I really. I mean, I think that this this album is a. It takes a nation of millions to hold us back by Public Enemy. And now this is kind of the same impact on the generation of the late eighties that say to pimp a butterfly had on this generation. It just 
just seemed very, it seemed very important and very urgent. And it kind of was also heralding kind of a new generation of, and of not just, I think the difference is, was that it wasn't heralding a new generation of young people, but it was also heralding like what hip hop could really do. Like we're, we're taking hip hop and this is a potent force, potent musical force that is here to stay. And we've only scratched the surface and it, this can do a lot. And I remember listening to this record saying, oh man, this is, this is great. So I think that this deserves its spot at number 15. And that's probably because it's, you know, it could be my two pimp a butterfly. Um, you don't hear about this album anymore, but you, you, what you hear about is um, NWA's uh, straight out of Compton, but you don't hear about this one as much. I feel like. Even though this was bigger, I think. back then. <laughs> Was it bigger? Did somewhere? You might be right. I feel like it was. I feel like I knew more about this than I knew about NWA when they first came out. The only thing you heard about F NWA when that came out was F the police because it was so shocking. Yeah. Um, anyway, but I, I have no problem with this at number 15. I can't say that I like it better than Sign of the Times, but this was much more of, say, a shot across the bow than, than Sign of the Times. So hence, it's ranking. And I'm fine. More than fine. All right. Those are my albums. Now we're going to okay. do the favorite five. My 500 favorite albums. My playlist on Spotify, Jagbags Podcast, most of my 500 favorite albums is up to 247 hours and 26 minutes. And we're starting today with number 215, Haughty Melodic by Mike Doty. I love Came it. out in 2005. I and does it. the man who makes the shoes own you, clown? You can't even pry the nameplate off. Now can you? Fix it with your tiny fists there. James Vanderbeek and them sisters from Sister Sister. The only one that's ever felt this you, the force that's forcing you to feel like busting up a Starbucks. That, of course, is busting up a Starbucks. Looking at the world from the bottom of a well's on here. Tremendous brunettes. I hear the bells. And I have to apologize, Mike Doty, because this was should be much higher. I don't know why I only have it at 215. I listen to this album a lot. I love it. I've yeah. seen Mike Doty. I saw him at House of Blues and I saw him. It was like an XRT lunch show where he played for like half an hour, 45 minutes at the Abbey Pub. And he's great. The lyrics on this are excellent. Every song is good. I don't know why I have it. I, I must have... <laughs> I don't know what was going on. This should be top 100 for me. Because <laughs> uh, I was listening today, I'm like, why is this 215? <laughs> and I found out the title of this is an anagram for Michael Doty, his name. Haughty nice. Melodic. But that's a great title, so that's probably why I never thought about it. Right, right, right. Now that's yeah. good. If you don't know Mike Doty, give this a listen. Because This is my second Mike Doty album. I love this. This is all I'll have on it. I, we did Golden Delicious earlier, but give this one a try. What was it's it excellent. What was it? it was skittish. Was it was Skittish? Was the one album that he did skittish eh, i'll look it up it, maybe that was maybe that was the song anyway keep going while i but anyway that was a mike Doty uh album and that i i can't remember the name of it but it never i played that a lot yeah. back in the 90s a lot all right number 214 the king of hair his 12 greatest hits neil diamond this is a collection came out in 1974 shiloh when i was young i used to call your name when no one else would come shiloh you always came album get oh are you back you froze oh, i froze you can edit this out right yeah, yeah you yeah. froze you froze before too for but it was shorter oh, yeah. yeah should i just keep talking about it keep talking i'm gonna go off video because sometimes that's better okay that, that helps a connection so this is that of course is shiloh you have brothers love traveling salvation show love holy it. holy Damn. stones sorry no heart light eve this is early neil diamond and it's false <laughs> 
I guess the original version of it, the original compilation, it had live version of Sweet Caroline and Holly Holy on here. Oh, interesting. But the version I have has the studio version. And what's interesting about it, so there's 12 songs on there. It doesn't have Cherry Cherry. Damn. It doesn't have Kentucky Woman or Solitary Man, but it does have a song called Done Too Soon on it. I know that song. I have no idea why this is on there. It wasn't a hit. And it's basically just him listing people who died too early. <laughs> just a strange group like Jesus Christ, Gunga Din. And I'm like, what is this song? Is this oh, even a song? Funny. Just a strange choice. But but the rest of it's really good. It hit number 29 on the charts that year. And my next one is number 213, Face Value, Bill Collins. Ultimate Phil. 1981. So you finally came right out and said it, girl. What took you so long? It was in your eyes. The look's been there for too long. I'm waiting in line. But this is I Missed Again. Also has This Must Be Love, Thunder and Lightning, Behind the Lines, which is a song that's also on a Genesis album. Mm-hmm. Of course, the big song on this is In the Air Tonight. Which and, will endure forever. Yeah, it really will. I, think, I feel like it will. I Missed Again and In the Air Tonight both hit number 19 in the charts, but I bet you if you ask somebody, they would think In the Air Tonight was a number one hit because everybody knows that song. Everybody knows that. But I Missed Again, I was like, there, I can remember when that album came out and I preferred I Missed Again. Dude. Yeah, me too. I, I love I Missed Again. One of my favorite Phil Collins songs. Yeah. This was his debut solo album. Uh, number seven on the charts. Got really good reviews. Five times platinum. Yep. I think the difference between, because like, nowadays his reputation is just iffy, but yeah. an album like this, people or the critics really responded to because it was his divorce album. Right. And it was about his wife. And I think he had two or three kids at that point. And his wife was just mad at him because she wanted him to be home more. And he kept saying, no, Genesis is going to really take off. So you can kind of relate to that. You can't relate to him faxing a divorce paper to his other wife when that happened. <laughs> I think that's that's kind of when the switch flipped on him. <laughs> But yeah, this was this was a big big thing for him. First first one, his first solo album, and people were saying, yeah, I think he's going to be even bigger than Genesis. And Genesis had started to really get popular at this point too. Yeah, it's interesting, like because it was like one was not necessarily more popular than the other. Like they were both ascending, both yep. Phil and Genesis. Yep. All right, number two twelve is Go Slow Down. We talked about this band last week, The Bodine. Oh yes, this one came out in nineteen ninety three. Everybody wants respect Eve just a little bit and everybody needs a chance once in a while everybody wants to be closer to free that of course is closer to free which is Debodine's biggest hit ever it's their only song to hit the top 40 I think it hit number 15 I remember that and it was because it was a theme song to the show Party of Five yes starring my good friend Nev Campbell she is your good friend also, <laughs> also on the Lincoln Lawyer from the people who gave you Bosch <laughs> Ev Campbell's a joy. But anyway, Party of Five, yes. Yes, and it also has Idaho, Feeds the Fire, Something's Telling Me, hit number 127 on the chart. I think I had this on cassette. I I played it all the time when it came out. I loved it. Yeah. And it got it got pretty good reviews, but for whatever reason, Devoting's never just exploded. We talked yeah, about this yeah. last week. It was, yeah. They're just mainly like Illinois loved them and Wisconsin where they're from. Right. But they, even with that closer to, closer to free song, it never got their career going like you thought it might. Yeah, 
they're going to be really, but another really good boating zone. Yeah. And then my last one, which we talked about, we also recorded a heavy metal podcast today, which will come out a few days after this recap episode. Just talked about this appetite for destruction, Guns and Roses, 1987. She's got a smile that it seems to me be reminds me of childhood memories where everything was as fresh as the bright blue sky. Now and then, when I see her face, she takes me away to that special place. And if I store too, stare too long, if I stare too long, I'd probably break down and cry. That, of course, is sweet child of mine. Where do we go? Where do we go now? And then when I was listening to it the past couple of days, go. I'm like, I'm going to concentrate on the deeper cuts. And to me, the standout deeper cuts, the ones that aren't super well known, are Out to Get Me, Damn. Mr. Brownstone, Jam. and My Michelle. And it's funny that we brought this up on the metal podcast because I, I found out the same stuff. It was a slow burn album. Yep. And hit number one until after it was out for a year. Yep. And then it just went crazy. Sweet number, Sweet Child of Mine was a number one hit. Welcome to Jungle, number seven. Paradise City, number five. Seventh best-selling album of all time. Best-selling debut album. I'm crying November Rain almost around this album, too. Can you imagine? Because those two were both huge hits also. Huge. Could have sold even more. Yeah. And our friend Bobby Criscow gave it a B-. minus. Well, it's <laughs> And I don't think it was in the top 100 selling albums of 87, but for 88, it was number six. Yeah. And for 89, it was number five. And then I guess the pandemic, first pandemic year, everybody decided to listen to it again because then it charted again up to number 166. I didn't know that. Yeah. And it's 18 times platinum. Just crazy. Unbelievable. And that's it. That's my five for the week. I, uh, yeah, Appetite for Destruction was, uh, well, we talked about it a little bit. And uh, yeah, I, I you thought that like Guns N' Roses was like, they're going to have a huge, long, brilliant career. Um, and they came close to it, but they never, I, in my opinion, I, you know, I don't, I don't feel like they surpassed Appetite for Destruction. I know you really like the Use Your Illusion record. Mm-hmm. I think they're like just a level below. And uh, yeah, you thought you're, they were going to put like 10, 20 years of music like this. And well, um, I think the problem was both Use Your Illusions came out not too long after that. And then they waited forever. And then yeah. everyone was like, I'm done. Right. Like, Chinese democracy is never coming out. And when it finally did, people were, had moved on. Right. And it was still so overproduced to the point where it's like, oh, this isn't even like, this doesn't even rock, which is something I never thought I'd say about a Guns N' Roses. And well, I think it's also just believing your own hype too much and I'm a genius and I'm going to take 10 years to make an album. Exactly. Your momentum is going to go away. Right. No one's going to care as much. By the way, yeah, Skittish is Mike Doty's debut solo record. Okay. It came out in 2000 and that is the album that I played a lot. I thought it was awesome. Uh, but uh, So I was like, am I, do I remember Skittish? Or was that just a fever dream I had? <laughs> Anyway. Or was I busting up a Starbucks with James Vanderbeek? Always, always uh, a possibility. Always. Should we do our I recommends real quick? Yes. Um, so my I recommend, I know it's going to be shocking to everyone, uh, but my I recommend is a documentary. I, I seem to be just on a documentary kick, but there's a new one out. It's I got it through Prime um, and it's uh, it's free because uh, Eileen got a subscription to MGM Plus. Well, if she meant to do a trial subscription then wound up you know it kicked in and she never mm-hmm. uh, so now we're stuck with it but mm-hmm. they have a documentary out now on the Charles Manson murder the whole they they start with the birth and the childhood of Charles Manson and they go all the way up to and it's a eight episode series and it's just full of like footage and interviews original footage and newscasts and tons of interviews and uh, with uh, people who you know knew him or knew their family and um, you know it's just 
it is really, especially of course, all the LA stuff and his relationship with the Beach Boys. They play some of his demo songs that he was trying to get recorded. And the whole thing is just, it's just the dark side of the LA kind of hippie uh, style and everything. It, it changed really everything in LA. And um, it's very, very interesting. Um, maybe not if, if uh, mass murderers really kind of are not your thing, give this one a miss. I, I kind of like the true crime stuff where I'm into it more. And this, this for a while was the ultimate true crime. Yeah. Very interesting. It's called Helter Skelter uh, and uh, it's on Amazon. You can get it on Amazon. My I recommend is the movie The Marvels. Yes. And you read a lot now about, oh, Marvel's on a downswing and just a lot of blah, blah, blah. And they try to just, people are just saying that's just how it is now. But go see the movie. It's really good. I love the first one. I love Captain Marvel. I liked it too. Brie Larson is really good as like Captain Marvel. It's it's not one of the longer Marvel movies. It's, it comes in, it's like an hour and 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. So it flies by. It has one of the funniest scenes I've seen all year. I laughed really hard at it. And like I said, it's just a nice, entertaining movie. So, and I, I granted, I do like most of the Marvel movies, but I wasn't sure about this one because the reviews were so mixed. Yeah, the reviews have not been good. But I really liked it and it'll probably, it's got a good shot at making my top 10 for the Really? Mm-hmm. Go check it out. I know Jesse chomping at the bit to see it though. Yeah, yeah, go see it. Um, all right. Well, uh, we have some sports to discuss. We have MLB, well, no, we have NFL, excuse me, NBA, college basketball, and MLB Hall of Fame. Um, which which do you, I could- let's, just... let's start with the Hall of Fame real quick. All right, so the Hall of Fame ballot, the new Hall of Fame ballot is up, and some of the prominent new names on the ballot are up, and um, based on the quality of the new um, ballot members, I feel that this is a prime, prime, prime chance for Len, your ultimate hero, Billy Wagner. <laughs> make the Hall of Fame because um, Billy Wagner is, as we have talked about quite a bit on this podcast, <laughs> um, fell short in the last Hall of Fame election. You need 75% of the vote to get in. And Billy Wagner was close last the last election. He got 68%. So it's not like he's stuck. In, and every year, it feels like thanks to Len's tireless efforts and the work of his uh, Billy Wagner Society president and campaign manager. Players uh, from planes, yes. jumbotron messages, yeah. Um, pamphlets I hand out at the airport. Yeah. Lens campaign manager Arthur Mancuso is really. <laughs> Um, he likes to be called Artie. Artie Mancuso is really doing great. Mm-hmm. So Artie's close. And based on, and so is Todd Hilton. Hilton got 72%. Well, let me ask you this, Pete. Yep. All right. So the new people, the mm-hmm. new people on the ballot, who do you think has a chance and how will that affect Billy Wagner's chance? See, that's why I think Billy Wagner has a great chance because here are some of the names of the new ballot on the new ballot. Adrian Beltre, which- But I Adrian th- Beltre's first ballot, you have to put him in the hospital. I think- he will get in no problem. Um, after that, I mean, you have uh, Chase Utley, you have Joe Maurer, and so those I feel are like okay, right there they are like all of good Utley and Maurer, but I don't, I, I don't, I don't consider them first ballot Hall of Famers. Um, and then this is what I noticed looking at the new new people. What's good now is there used to be some people that were on the Hall of Fame ballot, and you're like, what? Why are they even on the ballot? They weren't even good. Now they at least have good players on there, right. but like. 
Utley, he, I feel like his his stats aren't that great. He, he only had like 1,800 hits or something. Yeah. Even though he had that stretch where the Phillies were won the World Series and were a contender for a bunch of years, and he was one of the best players for like five years, but he just didn't do it for long enough. And kind of the same thing with Maurer. But all these guys, like even a guy like Adrian Gonzalez, he had a stretch where he was one of the best players in baseball, mm-hmm. but they don't have the years that a Hall of Famer should. Right. They might have had like a five-year stretch, but not like a decade of greats. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think any of these guys really, not even, like to me, it's Maurer and Utley might have the be- uh, you know the best chances at, of election. Well, Maurer is a catcher too, and there's not a ton of great catchers. So he's he might have a shot just because of the position he played. Mm-hmm. But he also stopped catching at like age 30. So, you know, he was also a hometown guy. So that might work in his favor. But I think based on this list, I think it's Beltre's on, the only shoe in. And then you've mm-hmm. got, you know, then you've got four guys I think that are close or could get in. So then it's whether you think Helton or Wagner deserve to get in ahead of Utley or Joe Maurer or say a guy like Victor Martinez. No. Or Bartolo Colon. No. David Wright. No. Yeah. All those guys are good players. Like you said, just not Gonzalez. Just not consistently great for, oh. like I said, a decade or eye-popping numbers. They're good players, though. I don't mind seeing them on the ballot. I don't know if they're Hall of Famers, but at least they all had stretches, even if they were only for a few years of being one of the best players at their position. Right. I just feel like some of the older ballots, there'd be like some shortstop with 220 on there, and you'd be like, why is he on the ballot? So they do a better job of that. Um, but I'd, I'd vote for Beltre, Wagner, and Todd Helton. Those would be my guys this year. Those would be mine, too. Anyone anyone else? Just those three? Yeah. I mean, I'm looking about at... Andrew Jones? What are your thoughts on him? I, I put him in that same, like, he's in the hall of very good. Yeah, to me, great defender, but not enough offense. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that uh, uh, I think that uh, if, if Billy Wagner is going to go into the Hall of Fame, this is the year. Yeah. If he doesn't get in, I don't I don't know who's coming after. Um, but, if he doesn't get in, I will be openly weeping on your lawn. And uh, Artie Mancuso will file uh, a <laughs> as well. So Mancuso... I have Franklin Sampson on alert. Mancuso is pouring nearly half of his personal fortune into this campaign. So mm-hmm. see how uh, this can fail. Yeah. It'll be interesting for sure. All right, we got a few minutes left, B. Why don't we? Why don't you talk about the Browns? Well, uh, first of all, anytime you beat the Steelers, that's incredible. They beat the Ravens and the Steelers two weeks in a row, Beef. That's amazing. It's great. It's great. Um, and they did it. If you had told me at the beginning of the year that no Nick Chubb, barely, you know, half a se- less than half a season of Watson defense is uh, historic, but still, like you know, sometimes uh, at, at home they are really tough. On the road, they are a little more human. But I would have never guess seven and three. And I think that's a tribute to Stefanski, the job he's doing. Mm-hmm. And also Jim Schwartz, um, the defensive coordinator, because that defense at times, now the Steelers offense, no one's going to confuse them with uh, the Terry Bradshaw or Ben Roethlisberger offensive juggernauts. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, they really, um, I mean, they just really stifled the Steelers offense all day. And the, the last thing I'll say is that this, t- this team is different because um, they, th- these are the types of games this this is the type of game they would have lost and the Ravens game is a, a, a classic last year they would have lost that game they would have lost the 49ers game they would have lost the Colts game they would have just found a way to lose this year they're finding a way to win and that's that's what's different and you're never holding your breath well you are holding your breath but uh they they got me believing and uh the last thing I'll say and the, that was the second last thing I got a, I got a question for you after you say your last thing oh I thought they were gonna get a little break with the schedule but the Broncos have won four in a row so that's in Denver so that's gonna be tough that's their next game next game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then they get Jack
Jacksonville, who's hot. And then they get the Houston Texans, where I thought that was going to be an easy one. But now C.J. Stroud has decided that he's uh, Peyton Manning and Michael Vick all rolled up into one. But, that's but he had three picks yesterday. Yeah. I think the I think the Browns defense will handle him. My question is, okay, who's their who's their rookie quarterback? The Browns. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson. DT. So he he drove them down for that game winner. Do you think he has a shot to be good or they? So here's so if you look at Robinson's stats, they don't seem that good. But he did not turn the ball over, and it, I thought that they had a lot of receivers dropping balls on him, mm-hmm. and they weren't like tough catches. They were like hit hit you in the hands. You got to catch that. Right. And and they figured out if all of his balls that could have been caught were in fact caught, he would have thrown for 300 yards. Yeah. That's how much um, those drops uh, hurt his overall. Um, he hit Njoku in the hands in the t- in the end zone, and the guy just flat out dropped. Mm. Um, so uh, hopefully that will improve. You, you know, Denver is notoriously tough to play, and for a rookie quarterback, that's going to be really tough. Um, What's the Browns' record right now? Seven and three. Seven and three. So if they've got to win. They got to win three more games. Mm-hmm. And they'll have a legit shot at the playoffs. So just three more games. Who do they play after the Texans? Um, let's consult our. Uh, I'm having Alex look this up, though. So we'll have no, that. No, no, no. Don't have Alex look it up by next year. Uh, <laughs> uh, let me get Ron Ron on it. Oh, good idea. So here we go. So after the Broncos and the oh, they got the Rams. That's a win. They should beat the Rams. The Jaguars. Then they I'm, the Bears are a win. They have the Bears and the Jets. If Rodgers doesn't play, they they'll probably beat. I don't know. The Jets game, that's like battle of defense. The Jets bench Zach Wilson because he's been terrible. They're so the three you want to get would be Bears, Jets, Texans, and they're all in a row. And don't forget the Bengals, Burrow is done for the season. So all of a sudden that Bengals game. On oh, the Rams. You, the Rams you should beat too. So you got four that you should probably win. You ought to beat the Rams. I, I can see you guys beating the Broncos. The Jaguars game, you're at home. The hardest game is the final game against the Bengals. Oh no, it's not. They don't have Burrow anymore. Exactly. You can win all these games, Beef. It's there. And then on to the Super Bowl. Where we will face the Detroit Lions. <laughs> that a, would be amazing. That would be. If they made Lions Browns. Neither one of them's ever won a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. That'd be that'd be amazing. Neither of them have even been to a Super Bowl. I know. I know. So Browns came close. How many times? Two. Three. They had three NFC. I mean, uh, three AFC Championship games. Yeah, the third one they got destroyed. Uh, but the first two, of course, are etched in NFL lore. Yeah. So and they haven't been back since. So um, yeah, just to make it to the title game. And I think I still am not convinced that a rookie quarterback can lead them all the way. Uh, they signed, I don't know if you saw that they signed Joe Flacco. I did see that. He's on a practice squad. Right. So we'll see. I think they're just storing him there as like an emergency. Sure. Like if your quarterbacks are so bad, they'll just throw Flacco in there. Flacco to the wall. Sounds like it sounds like he played okay and the Steelers have a good defense. The Steelers have to be winning with defense because their offense is terrible. So bad. So he was going up against good defense. So who knows? Maybe, maybe this they'll be a good enough quarterback to get the Browns where they want to be. And I keep, it's like all, everything is working out for the Browns. <laughs> I know, which is, and un- that never happened. So who knows? Maybe all this craziness is leading to the Super Bowl championship, Eve. I love it. And I love that they fight. They don't fold. They don't find a way to lose. And that is very different. They they don't let adversity get them down. Yeah. And uh, this, because when the Steelers tied it, I was like, here we go. You know, this, the Steelers have been doing this to us for the last 20 years. Years and it's going to happen again. But nope, they Robinson, they, they forced the three and out. Uh, they got the ball with two minutes left and Robinson did what Thompson Robinson did what you're supposed to do. Took him right down the field and got kicked the, the winner. So hats off and let's uh, hope 
hope it continues in Denver. All right. So real quick, I know we're, we're going to get off after this last thing here. One more topic. No, I'm just, I just want to talk one more thing about the Browns. Oh, okay. And we can, then we can finish up. We can talk, we'll talk more about other sports next week, everyone. So I'm looking at the AFC. My, here's, here's the Browns toughest opponents. Like if they, let's say they, everything works out, they make the playoffs, Miami, KC, Baltimore, maybe Jacksonville. All those teams are flawed. Mm-hmm. None of these teams are scary this year. No. This might be the Bears. I mean, the Bears. <laughs> wish fulfillment um this might be the browns year we'll have to see i'm curious the chiefs I'm- lost tonight to the eagles they don't have, they they don't have the weapons this year the chiefs the browns defense could could lock the chiefs up in the playoffs i am curious about the jaguars they've won six out of seven and i don't know who they've actually beaten but they've got the you know the, the, the stud quarterback um I'm, I'm curious to see how we'll do against them yeah well we'll keep an eye on them we'll talk we'll talk more football we'll talk more nba and the ongoing Zach Levine saga. I really, and, want, really want to talk about that. And college hoops, especially the Illini and Northwestern next week. And the powerful Northwestern Wildcats and the Don't Sleep on the Illini. Yep. All right. Well, we want to thank everyone for listening to this truncated, abbreviated recap episode, but we'll be back in full force uh, next week. What are we talking about next week? Before next we- week for our main topic is Spike Lee. Talking to Spike Lee and then we'll do the recap as well so keep it here for both of those um episodes coming up and we also uh want to encourage you to subscribe to our podcast we are available wherever fine podcasts are bound so hit that subscribe button for quality podcast content delivered twice a week to your device we're also on social medias we're on instagram twitter and facebook drop us a line maybe there's a topic you'd like to hear us discuss on these recap episodes maybe you disagree with my kendrick lamar review you saying you dumb old man what do you know about life uh, if we like you should be talking about kendrick lamar and i'll have me on as a guest well if we agree to all that then we'll send you a jag bag t-shirt um which is uh the, the rage in cleveland apparently among young people so uh thanks again for listening to the short uh, episode we'll see you next week when you're ready to listen put a little jag bag in your ear